Welcome to the Living Word Podcast. To find out what we're up to, check us out online at dlwc.network. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Today, my goal is to strike fear into your hearts and pray that God, that pastor will show up next weekend because you want me to get off this platform as quick as possible. Um, no, I'm just joking. But, but seriously, this topic does uh, lend itself to be something that maybe is a little bit less popular, not something that you, you crave coming to church to be able to hear. And it seems like I always end up with this topic. I don't know what it is about the Lord. He may be trying to work something in me. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, but maybe I'm just trying to set your expectations real low at the start. How about that? We'll just start with that. But, um, but no, seriously, today, the topic that we want to dive into um, has a lot to do with something that begins the Gospels, and it's also something that ends the Gospels. You'll find this throughout all four Gospels, but specifically, we're going to look at Mark today. But Jesus, when he, was, when he was asking people to come and follow him, he was telling them, I'm going to make you something. He said, I'm going to make you something. I'm going to turn you into something. I'm going to do something in your life. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe most of you probably heard this story before, but if you haven't, I don't know what your first expectation is of Jesus when he says he's going to make you something. But I think a lot of people would probably think that he's probably going to make you more spiritual. Or he maybe wants to make you a better husband or a better wife. Maybe he wants to make you be a little bit nicer than you are. He might want to make you more benevolent, maybe more generous, more religious, be better at being a Christian. I think so many people have this misconception about what what Jesus is actually inviting you into. And so when you look at it, because Jesus didn't say that at all. When you look at the people that he was inviting, when he was gathering these guys together that he called his disciples, he said, I'm going to make you something. And if we, we can find this in Mark chapter 1, verse 17, he said, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. So Jesus is basically saying, I'm going to teach you how to have an impact into the life of one other person. I'm going to teach you how to use your life to benefit the life of somebody else. So as soon as we talk about this topic, you're probably like, okay, Joel, I get it. We're probably going to talk about evangelism today. And that's a scary topic to me. And listen, I realized that. And so part of my goal today, what I feel like God's put me on the platform to do is to not only tell you the importance of evangelism, but to also help break down some of the myths and the fears that are associated with it. Because you can read the Bible from cover to cover, and you're going to find nothing but this exact thing. That God always consistently throughout, it doesn't matter what you open up to, he's always about chasing people other than yourself and making your life not about you, but about somebody else. And so you can see this again, as I said, Mark chapter one, but then it also repeats in Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Now, again, most people in this area, they kind of get scared and uh, it's something that we don't naturally want to do. And I think that's based on the myth and the misconception. If you think about it, um, I like to describe it this way. Think about an evangelist in your mind. Many of you just like want to run out the door as soon as I brought that up. But when I think about an evangelist, this is getting stereotypical, but this is kind of what I picture. I picture somebody in an all white suit with a big old towel that they have to wipe their forehead off with. <laughs> Am I wrong? Like, like they're, they're loud, they're screaming. Uh, they're normally screaming at people to repent. They're, they're uh, maybe a bit obnoxious. You know, is anybody tracking with me? Am I, am I making sense to anybody else? So this is just kind of what I think back to you. And for some reason, they're always a little crazy. 
you found them in a, some sort of tent somewhere and they had an organ playing behind them. Does that make anybody else with me there? So those are some adjectives that maybe would be stereotypical of an evangelist. But now I want you to apply that same thing to the person that's most responsible for leading you to Christ. And what adjectives would you describe for that person? I don't know about you, but I would probably think of somebody that's, that's kind and caring. They just wanted the best thing for my life. They wanted to help me progress in this thing called faith. They wanted me to meet their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I didn't really see them with the white suit and the towel. I didn't, I didn't get any of that. I didn't get any of the crazy. I just got somebody who cared. And so what I want us to see today, and then we can find this again in Scripture, is it's found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, is that our job is actually more simple than I think most people think. And that's, it says in uh, the second part of, chap- of, of verse 8, it says, you will be my, and I want everybody to say this word with me, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses, a witness. You know, when you look at the, the, the courtroom scene, there's all these different characters and players uh, that are involved. Uh, typically, there's the prosecuting attorney. And so he'd be the guy that's maybe a little loud, maybe sort of similar to the guy that we just described, but he's a little bit loud. He's the one that's making all these accusations against the defendant. He's, uh, he's trying to get his point across to tr- tell everybody why this person is wrong. And then there, on the other side of that coin, there's the defense attorney, and he's, he's the guy with all the answers. He's got it all figured out. There's nothing you're going to present to me that I'm not going to have the right answer for. And what's, what's interesting to me is you can see very clearly in this verse, that's not what God called us to be at all. God never called you to be the prosecutor. The guy that's telling everybody that they're wrong and that you're right. He never called you to be the accuser. And he also never called you to be the defender, the guy that has got all the answers. I got the, the whole Bible memorized from cover to cover. Ask me anything and I'm going to have the right answer for you. He never asked you to be the, the, the prosecuting attorney nor the defense attorney. He called you to be a witness. Now, I don't know about you, but I sign up for that job all day long because a witness simply is just sharing their side of the story. That, man, can I just tell you what God has done in my life? Can I tell you what the difference that he's made and what my life used to look like versus what it looks like now? Can I just witness to you about who I am and what God has done in me? I don't know about you, but I like that job a whole lot more than being the guy pointing a finger and the guy with all the answers because I know I don't got them. So you say, well, Pastor Joel, I don't think a whole lot of people are going to be interested in my story. Well, you'd be wrong, unfortunately. Barner Research Group actually did a poll last summer. It's the latest information I could find. But they said that out of the 328 million people that live in the United States, 328.2 million some odd people that live in the United States right now, 30% of those would claim to not be Christians. So that's, for all the mathematicians in the room, that's 98 million folks that would claim to not be a practicing Christian, so they definitely wouldn't be in church, and they wouldn't even be the, the outside Christian that kind of attends once a year, believes in God, but doesn't really ever do anything with it. So 98 million people fall into the category of not Christian. Out of that group, out of that 98 million people, there's about 35 million people, and that's a very, very conservative number, I'll tell you that. It's the most conservative number I could find. I fully believe that number could be much higher. 35 out of almost 100 million people would be in our churches today if they were just simply invited. They would fill the seats, our churches throughout the nation, 35 additional people 
in our country if they were just simply invited. Just to maybe get, make it even a little bit more specific for you, the greater Dayton area, there's a little over 800,000 people that live around the city of Dayton. So that would be about 281,196 people that would be filling our pulpit, or be filling our, our seats and our pews this weekend if they were just simply invited to be a part. So you might say, just to maybe further the point, uh, there's young people today. They're not just interested in, in the latest music, the latest movies, uh, the latest trends, or the funniest memes. Uh, young people are actually super interested. One of their top topics they want to talk about is spirituality. And so you might say, well, what's, what's that got to do with it? What, what is that? That's God. God's at work in people's life, whether you realize it or not. And whether they realize it or not, they got this homing beacon on the inside of them that's just trying to direct them to who has the answer. <laughs> that they are just waiting for an invitation into community, into a relationship. They want to know who their creator is. And so, simply put, this is our destiny. This is your destiny. If you're going to follow Jesus, followers fish. Followers fish. They learn how to and they even enjoy reaching out to other people. So you might be saying, real deep, Pastor Joel. That's a real great point. How many years of seminary did it take for you to come up with that one? Followers, fish, wonderful. I can't wait to come back next week and find out what you guys got for me. You know what people are actually saying when they say they want it deep? When they're saying like, the type of person that's like, Pastor, I just need you to feed me. Give me, give me the deepest thing that you got. I, I, wanna, I wanna swim in Greek and in Hebrew. Like, just let me have it all. I want, I want deep. You know what people are saying when they say they want it deep? They're actually saying, confuse me. <laughs> They're saying, I want to leave here. I don't know what that guy just said, but man, that was sure was deep, wasn't it? It wasn't Pastor Great today, the depth of the word. I don't understand a word he said, but man, that sure was deep. You know what I believe deep actually is? It's called living the Bible. <laughs> don't just learn it, live it. And watch how God just absolutely transforms your life to the very depths of your soul. Watch him just revolutionize your whole walk. Because the person that's on the street, they're not looking for the Greek word for a life raft. They're just looking for you to throw them one. They don't need the, the deep theological answers about all this stuff. They're just looking for somebody who cares. Somebody that's willing to share their story and get involved. And so... We can re further, I'm just, I'm, I'm a pound Bible into you today because there is absolutely no escaping any of this. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 and then verse 5, it says, preach the word of God. And you might say, well, that's you, Pastor Joel, you're, you're the preacher. Well, no, no, this, this wasn't just written to pastors, this is written to everybody. It says, preach the word of God, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not, <laughs> whether you like it or not whether it fits into your schedule or not. It says whether it's favorable or not, and then you jump down to verse five, it says work at it, meaning that you don't have to have this whole thing figured out yet. It's okay that you're not awesome. <laughs> you can still work at it, work at telling others the good news. And then when you're able to do that, you're fully carrying out the ministry that God has given to you. I heard someone ask one time, well, do you know who to encourage? Like, how do, you, how do you know who needs encouragement? And my real simple answer to that was, there's one prerequisite. The only people that need encouragement in the world are the only ones that are breathing. 
If you're breathing, you need encouragement. Now, if they're not breathing, don't waste your time. Like I understand. Those people might not need encouragement, but if they're breathing, they're gonna need some encouragement. And so what I have for you today is four simple points. And uh, my plan, again, is to hopefully make this simple because I think we've just made it way, way too complicated. We've made presenting Jesus and who he is just like way, way too complicated. And so I wanna try to help simplify that for you today. Uh, and so again, four simple steps. The first one is to become aware. Number one, become aware. And there's two things that I think we need to become aware of. Number one, as I was uh, sharing in the introduction, I really believe that this is your ministry. Like this is God's plan. <laughs> and by the way, there's no plan B. That this is what God has destined for your life. And then the second thing I want us to become aware of is simply the process of what it looks like. Because again, I want to I try to help simplify it. But, but jumping back to the fact that this is your ministry, followers fish. And you might be saying, but what if I'm not good at it? Well, John Maxwell, I love this quote. He says, the secret of your success is determined by what you do daily. It's determined by what you do daily. Not what you want to do, not what you hope to do, not what you wish you could do, but what you actually do daily. You see, the problem is that good intentions are worthless. Good intentions will absolutely get you nowhere. When are the people of God going to stop being so in love with good intentions? Good intentions are worthless unless they lead you to good actions. I've never heard of anybody changing the world that hoped to or wished they could or wanted to. The only people that have ever done anything to change our world are people that actually went out and did something about it. Romans, Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 says this, how then can they, and the they that's being talked about there, those are the people that don't know God, the people who are drowning, the ones that are miserable, the ones that are sw like just drowning in their problems. That's the they that we're talking about. So how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless someone does a message about it on a Sunday morning and tells everyone that this is what you are supposed to be doing and tells them that they are sent. And that's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to be just a faithful pastor. I'm just trying to say, you've never lived life until you've invited one of these unchurched, drowning in misery type people to church with you and invited them to have the seat right next to you. And then at the end of service, every single time we, we, we make the invitation for everybody to bow their head and to close their eyes. And, and you don't, you peek when you bring somebody. You, because you know what's coming. You, you want to see what, the, what your friend's going to do. <laughs> and then with the tears streaming down their face, their hand shoots up. And they cross that line of faith and they give their life to Christ. That's going to be the best service you've ever attended in your whole life. I promise you, that's going to be the best service you've ever been to. Now, again, the second thing that I want to try to help us dispel this, this myth is that I want us to, to find out what the process actually looks like. So years ago, 
actually, when I first came on staff, I found this scale and it just, I mean, it just like, it just clicked. Everything just made so much more sense when I saw the scale. It was developed by this guy named Ingalls. And some of you might be familiar with the Ingalls scale, but basically it just kind of shows every single step along the way of a faith journey of what it takes from, from wherever anybody is all the way through uh, to being a believer and sharing Christ with others. And so I want us to look at this, but before we do, I got more scripture for you. Uh, Paul actually said in 1 Corinthians, this is again Paul speaking, he said, my word, or my work was to plant. I was just called to plant the seed in your hearts. But then this other guy came along named Apollos, and he, he was there to water it. But then the process still wasn't done yet because then God got involved, and he's the one that actually brought the growth. The garden grew in, your, in their hearts. And so what I want us to see is that God is asking all of us to be a part of this in our cities, at our jobs, schools, the different places that we go. This is who we are supposed to be. So I'm just supposed to scatter seed. And then when I come across somebody else that maybe is already, like God's already doing a little bit of work there, maybe I'm just called to water it. And then, and then somebody else comes along, and I get to watch how God is touching their life and just causing the thing to grow. And so you kind of see how this process works and how we can all be a part. Is everybody seeing this? And so... <clears throat> So to show you the scale now of how this works out practically, uh, the very first step, or maybe what I would call, I guess, the furthest down the line would be at negative six. And this is where people are resistant to the gospel. This is uh, typically people that you would consider to be far from God, people that do not believe anything that you believe. I'm, a pastor said this so, several times, but driving to the church one day, he had a, a word from the Lord that 95% Pat, of people that you will drive by on the way to the office do not know what you consider to be normal. So that would be the type of people that we would consider to be resistant. People that are far from God have no idea what Jesus is and what he's come to do. And so a lot of their resistance has come from two things, fear or hurt. And most of the time it's hurt, that they've had a bad church experience that hurt them, or they've come in contact with some Christians that hurt their feelings. And so to help illustrate this, I, um, I, there's a, I think it was almost four years ago now, uh, I was uh, grabbing coffee with another staff member here from the church, and we were meeting with uh, somebody that's relatively influential in the city, uh, just a mutual friend of ours, and we were just catching up. And she was telling us, she's like, hey, I know another nonprofit in town, and they got a beautification project coming up. I think it would be awesome because I know Living Word's heart is to, like, to make a difference and to reach out and to do anything they can to try to, to try to help people. And so I think that this would be a great partnership. What, I, what do you think? Would you mind calling him? I said, of course, I'd love to call this guy. So I call him up a couple of days later. I said, hey, uh, so nice to meet you. This is who I am. This is where we're at. Just did a little bit of the small talk stuff. And then we finally got to like, hey, I, I heard you guys have a beautification project coming up. I think that we would be a great asset to you. I would love for our church to be some volunteers that could help you out. And on the other line of the phone, is like a little bit of a pause. And he's, he's like, well, I'm not so sure about that. I said, okay, well, why? He's like, well, I've done one of these before and involved a church prior. And it was like one of the worst experiences ever. And I said, no way. Church people? Are you kidding? We would, they would never act like that. And, and he said, he said, so... They, they honestly just mostly wanted to come and hang out and talk to one another. The another section of the group, they basically just wanted to complain and tell me everything that we were doing wrong. And then the last group, which is the smallest group, 
the only ones that were actually doing anything, they were actually just out praying for strangers and didn't really help us clean up anything. <laughs> and so I said, well, buddy, let me tell you something. I promise you that our crew, we're not gonna do that. We are here to serve you. As far as I understand it, you have about 10 tons of trash you're trying to clean out of our city. And I have about 100 people with a desire to make a difference in that same city. So when and where do we show up? We showed up, of course, this is months in advance and this, the project was in the summer. We get there, Dayton Dragons were there. It was like a super cool event that they had kind of pulled together. The, the county uh, was involved and they brought trash and trailers and tools and trash bags and the whole deal. So we're just there and I told our people coming in the door, I said, hey, listen, we can pray for people, but we are not here just to do that. We are here to make a difference and we're here to serve this other group. This is not our thing. We're just here to come alongside and partner with some other people. And so they fully understood, we got down there. We actually not only cleaned up 10 tons of trash, we cleaned up 14 tons of trash that day. And it impacted him so greatly. Yeah, it's so awesome. Many of you were probably a part of that and you might not even know it, but, but so we, we got done with the end of the day and he, he's so impressed by what he saw. He said, hey, will you come back to the office with me and some of my colleagues and have a beer with us? And I said, respectfully decline the beer, but I'll take my bottle of water and I'd love to meet whoever you got. So we got back to his office and we started talking and uh, just got to meet these people, find out where they're at, all the projects they've been involved, to, involved in and stuff they've done. And so by the end of that conversation, he's inviting me to be on the board of this nonprofit because he said, I was so impressed by you and your team and the people that you brought. I, we have to work together more often. How can I get your influence here? So again, I took a guy <laughs> that would have been at this negative six that would have been resistant to the gospel and I worked him all the way to what would be negative five. And that's now he's receptive. That man, I know that you had a bad experience with some people that, that I can just promise you that not all those, those Christians specifically, but not all Christians are like that. God's not like that. I'll tell you right now, God is here for you and he loves you. And so anyway, we just kind of began to develop this relationship. And after a few more uh, lunches of getting to know this guy better, come to find out he's got just tons of church hurt too. And so the types of Christians he would have been surrounded by growing up would have been the people that come to church, act a certain way, leave church, and for the rest of the week, they act totally different. And he just didn't, wanted nothing to do with it. He's like, that's not me. I can't get down with that. I'm not gonna fake nothing. This thing's not real. These people are mean. I don't like them. I want nothing to do with church. And so found out that he's actually at this negative four stage, which is the seeking stage. And seeking simply means that that. Jesus might not be the only thing he's looking into, but he's looking for something. That he's found himself in the middle of this place that he does not like, and he hasn't found Jesus to be the answer yet, but he's looking for something. So then the next stage after that would be that negative three, that now you're considering. That you're looking into what your life currently is versus what it could be. And I love this stage because, I don't know if this is news to anybody, but but life kind of stinks sometimes. <laughs> Am I wrong? Like, like life is tough. There's some, like, when the, the saying is that life comes at you, like that's not necessarily a positive thing. And so what I love about this though, especially at this stage early in the game, is that the world has absolutely nothing to offer people. <laughs> so if they're at this considering stage, if they want to consider the world, that's fine. I don't get nervous because the world has nothing to give them. There is nothing that they are going to consider that should make me shake in my boots because like literally they will find nothing. If they're not miserable, they will be. 
if they're not miserable when I meet them, give it some time. I don't get in a hurry because they will be. That they will find absolutely nothing outside of God's plan for their life. And so I don't get nervous at the considering stage. I actually kind of, in, I, I shouldn't say enjoy. That's so like mean. But, but I really do, like I don't get nervous. Like I, I, trust the, I trust God and I trust the process. And we're gonna get to what we can do in that phase here in just a second when we get to point two. But what I wanna get us to at negative two is after you're, you're considering, now you just need some understanding. And this is where you can start to share some biblical truths with people. Try to help catch them up to speed. And so I remember I met this guy one time and he's like, man, I just don't like religion. I don't like religious people. I was like, man, I'm with you. He's like, what? You're a pastor. I was like, well, I, I know, but I agree with you. And actually God would agree with you too. And so I pointed him to Matthew chapter seven, verse 22. And this is a very sobering verse, but it says many, <laughs> many will say to the Lord, 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 didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do all these miracles? Basically, God, aren't you impressed with all the stuff that we did for you? All the routines and, and traditions and carrying candles and all the stuff. Aren't you impressed, God, that we did all this for you? And then verse 23, his response, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Another translation says, you workers of iniquity. I definitely don't want to be in that crowd. And so I shared that with the guy and I said, hey, CC, man, like, like God's not about religion. He's about you. <laughs> he, he doesn't want the stuff that you can do for him. He just wants you. He doesn't want religion. He wants a relationship. And so it started to click with this guy, you know, and he started to like open his eyes a little bit. And so the hope is that they get from that stage to now they're at negative one, which is they're ready. And that's where we talked about before. I believe that 35 million people in the United States, 281,000 in the greater Dayton area are ready. They're just waiting for an invitation. <clears throat> so that's, that statistic, again, that haunts me a little bit because we think that they're not ready, but they actually are. We think that there's so many people out there that they would never receive an invitation to church, but they actually would. And the only way you can find out is you have to ask. And so uh, actually it provides us with the perfect opportunity. In uh, just a couple weeks, we have Easter coming up on April the 4th. That's literally two weekends from now. Both services, man, I'm telling you right now that God is gonna move in this place. There's gonna be dozens, if not hundreds of people that give their life to Christ. And I want those people that are gonna do that to be your friends, to be your family that you have been praying for maybe forever. And I'm praying that right now that, you would, that God would do something that brings them here, that he would draw them here, that they would give their life to Christ. And I want that for you. So of course they, they can hopefully get to that, that ground zero. At ground zero, you have new life in Christ. And uh, we don't need to dig deep into that you're familiar with new life in Christ. And so we're gonna jump straight to what goes past that at the plus one. And the only reason why I wanna share some of this is because there might be some people that have given their life to Christ, but you feel stuck. Like you, you haven't progressed past that. Like you haven't really known what to do. And so the plus one here is belonging. Belonging to something. And the important part is that we need to belong to a church. Now I have about 10 churches I could probably recommend to you in our area. I would of course probably choose this one I like ours uh, uh, pretty well, um, but there's no lie. I, would, I have at least 10 churches that I would recommend to you if, you. if this one is not your cup of tea, I would love to recommend another one to you. But belonging to a church is non-negotiable for growth. Belonging to a church, and, and honestly, better than that, is belonging to a small group within that church. 
getting friends and people around your life that can help you progress forward and take every single step necessary that God has laid out for you. Belonging to a church and belonging to a small group are so vitally important. After that is the plus two, and that's growing. Growing. Another word that we kind of put here is discovering. Because growing means that you're finding out what God has for your life. The uniqueness that he's placed inside of you. All the gifts and the talents and, and how he can use those things to then grow you to, to be who you're supposed to be. And for us, we have life track. Today, we're launching step number three of the life track process. And you get to find out some leadership skills that ultimately into next Sunday, which is step four. Uh, you get to pick how you can find out how to be an usher or a greeter or how you can work in our preschool classroom or maybe the elementary or maybe the youth or, or whatever next gen uh, services that we have. And you can find out how you can play a role in impacting somebody's life for eternity from, the, from their childhood all the way into their adult years. You can find out how you can be a part and do that. And so that's what we do in Lifetrack is we find out how we can grow and become a part so that ultimately you can get to step number three, with the plus three, and that's that you're serving. What I want to say about here before we move on too fast is that you will never experience all that God has for you until you're moving towards other people and helping them in your life. Until you've gotten the focus off of yourself and onto other people, God can't do anything else in you. Serving is so vitally and critically important that you have to get the focus off of you and onto others, and serving is what does that. And then finally, step number four, the plus four, is sharing. And that's where you're helping lead people to Christ or you might just look at it like you're just helping people along this process. Whatever they find themselves on this scale, you're helping them progress forward. What kind of helps sum this up is a great quote I found by Sam Williams, and it says this, evangelism is helping people discover how God is already at work in their life. That's all it is. We just got to find out how we can be a part of that process and move people one step at a time. So, that was point number one. I told you I had four, and yes, I am running out of time swiftly. You are right. So let's get to point number two. Number two is commit to prayer. Commit to prayer. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but I do think uh, that this is vitally important. And I want to get, what I want to do is I want to give you five verses. Praying the Bible over your loved ones and people that you know that are far from God is going to change their life. Praying about it is what's going to change their life. And so the first uh, scripture that I believe that is going to be vitally important for you to use, take from here and to use, is pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. That's John 6, 44. Pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. And then secondly, pray against the spirit that blinds their minds. That's found in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. It says that the God of this age, little g God, the God of this age, the devil, has blinded the minds of those that do not believe. So we pray against that spirit. A lot of that could honestly be their past hurts, hangups, and fears that we talked about earlier. So we pray against those things. And then third, pray that they come to know God relationally. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, says that the spirit of adoption, and I love that, the spirit of adoption. Did you know that God has a spirit called adoption? <laughs> I think that's just so cool. Other translations call it the spirit of sonship. Basically, it means that when you're praying for somebody, that you simply pray that God would show up to them as a father, not just as a God. That, that he would, everybody's been invited into a family, that he would connect with them relationally, not just religiously. And so that's a great passage to pray. And then the fourth one, is that, God, I pray that some cool Christians would come across their path. 
Not the bad ones, God. Keep the bad ones away. Keep the bad ones away. That some cool ones would come across their path. And that's actually the prayer that Jesus prayed in Matthew 9, 38, that, that laborers would go into the harvest field. And uh, so if Jesus prayed it, I certainly want to be the one praying. And you might be in the room and you might have a wayward son. That prayer could look really simple. It's, God, my son, he's not listening to dear old dad. But God, today I pray that you would send the coolest guy across his path that can influence him, be the most life-giving guy that he's ever met in his whole life. And that God, that he would be influenced into a relationship with you. So that's, that's what that can look like. And then the fifth prayer and the last one is to pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that they would just get it. That, that God would just make it make sense to them. That I can't, I can't turn the light on inside of anybody's heart. That's God's job. And so I'm just praying that God, that the wisdom, your wisdom and revelation would just open their minds to where they can see what you're actually trying to do. And so some of you honestly might be experiencing some of that right here, right now. Because I've been praying into the service for weeks now. Praying that God would just make this make sense to people, that they would catch it and that they would get it. And so, just to review, we got to become aware. And then we have to commit it to prayer. And at the risk of sounding super corny, you got to show them you care. <laughs> it's a pastor, pastoral disease, just making stuff rhyme. But I think it'll, I think it'll, I think it'll help you remember it. And so, you got to show them you care. You know, I heard the story that. Uh, that brother John Maxwell, who's an author and leader in, our, in, in the country and, and globally, many of you have heard of him before, but he was telling the story about his dad. And early in his dad's life, he was actually an overseer for pastors. And so he oversaw about 250 pastors involved in ministry. Uh, he's the type of guy that a three-minute trip could take him 30 minutes because he's talking to everybody along the way. And so um, progresses to late in life, and he's about 93, and his, his wife passed. And so John's mom passed away, and he's now a widower. And the family kind of decided that the best plan of action for his dad was to find an assisted living care facility. And so the, it was going to be built up brand new. They're actually watching it being constructed. And John's dad would actually go to the construction site just to see the progress. And every single day he was connecting and talking to people that were there at 93 years of age. He's connecting and talking to people still. So he gets to where he finally gets to move in. And uh, he tells John... His son, he's like, hey, I, I really want to be the first one to move in. And John's like, really, Dad, why, why would you want to do that? And, and his dad sits him down and says, well, John, you understand that all these people are old. <laughs> he's 93 years old, and, of course, they never registered with him that he's old, too. He's like, well, you have to understand all the people moving in here, they're, they're old. And, and when they get here, I want to be already moved in so I can be at the front door, <laughs> And I can welcome them in and say, hey, my name is Melvin Maxwell, and I'm living here too, and it's going to be okay. A couple of weeks later, he, he has another uh, dinner with John, and he's telling John, he's like, John, I'm chaplain now. <laughs> and John's like, well, how'd you do that, Dad? And his dad just says, well, there wasn't one. <laughs> so I'm the chaplain now. And he said, they opened a room for me and we got services in the morning and we got an afternoon service and we got a night service and so we're packed out. I'm looking into satellite campuses. <laughs> it just kills me. He said, John, he said, dad, that's great. And he said, you know what? He said, I named my church. And John said, really, what'd you, what'd you name your church? And he, <laughs> he said, I, I called the first church of the last chance. <laughs> oh man, I love that. You better get in now. You're going home soon, baby, right? 
Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but man, 93 years old, and that guy still doesn't know how to not make a difference wherever he's at. He wants to be the first one moved in so that he can care for all these people that might be uneasy and unsettled. And he wants to reach them not just with his personality, but he wants to reach them with the gospel and wants to provide them a church that they don't have to travel to. They can have one right there where they're at. And so there's, there's no age limit on what God wants to do just to be able to show people that you care. And so we have to be aware, we have to commit to prayer. We gotta show people that we care. And then the last one is that you're going to get an opportunity. Like an opportunity is going to present itself. When you do these three things, this last one is just gonna show up. And so you might be saying, well, Pastor Joel, what is it? It's simple, you just gotta be ready to share. Gotta be ready to share. Now, some of you might say, well, Pastor Joel, I'm not really comfortable sharing Jesus. I'm, I'm not, I, don't, I don't feel good at that. And I would tell you that honestly, that's okay. You don't have to share Jesus, but share your church. We would love to minister to anybody that you have that you've been praying and believing for. That is why we are here. I, I, I would love the opportunity to meet the people that you're praying for and believing that God's gonna do something in their life. And so, so just be ready to share. And if it's not gonna be uh, sharing your faith directly, share your church, because we would love to be a part of that process. So I wanna just go ahead and invite everybody, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, just provide some privacy in this moment. There, uh, there might be some people in this room that are somewhere in that, that spiritual process that we talked about, somewhere along that line of faith, you find yourself in that scale. And what I, what I believe is happening is that again, that God is speaking to you. God is already doing something in your life. The only thing that's left here for you to do is to respond. God is speaking to your heart. So not only should you allow him to do that, but you should respond to what he's trying to do. Here in a moment, I'm gonna ask that for people to, to raise their hand that they wanna receive Jesus, that they are tired of carrying this stuff on their own. They do not want the pain. They do not want to drown in the stuff that life has brought their way. They want help. They want healing. They want a savior. I'm telling you today, that decision is being presented to you. You also might find yourself in this place and you might be, you might already be a Christian. Maybe you've already made that decision, but you've fallen away from God. You've lost sight of what he has and, and who he is and you wanna come back home. So that, that, that invitation is made to you as well. Not only if you've never made that decision, but if you wanna recommit your life to Christ, do not hesitate. Do not hesitate, make your decision right now, make your decision today. On the count of three, one, two, three, shoot your hand up if that's you. You say, Pastor Joel, I wanna make my decision for Christ. Yeah, I see you and I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. And that's so good. Thank you, God. So again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just wanna invite the whole family of God to just pray this prayer out loud with me. People are, are crossing over from death to life right now. And that's a pretty cool thing. So everybody, if you would just repeat after me, say, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. Today I receive you. I receive what you did. And I surrender my life to you. 
be my Lord. Be number one in my life. With all of my heart, I'm going to follow you and serve you with everything that I've got. Come inside and live in me. Change me from the inside out. I give you everything today. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, can we get a good amen right there? Amen, amen. It's awesome. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at LWC Dayton and on Facebook at Living Word Dayton.